Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen, and it is Tuesday, June 6th. Super excited to talk about a hot new IPO that was filed last week. It's not too often that we get unicorns in the consumer and retail space going public. Unicorn, of course, being the amusing title given to private startups with valuations of $1 billion or more. Dylan over in the tech world usually gets to claim these unicorn IPOs, but not today, thanks to Blue Apron. So joining me via Skype to share his thoughts on the company is SeniorFool.com contributor Asit Sharma. Asit, thank you for joining us. Uh, you ever subscribed to one of these uh, meal delivery services before? I haven't, Vince. I uh, consider myself something of a foodie, so I have my hands full with uh, going and getting my own ingredients and constantly experimenting. But I'm very interested in the model. You know, I followed uh, Blue Apron and some of its competitors, so quite familiar with the service and excited to talk about it today. How about yourself? Have you um, tried one of these services yet? Yeah, I've tried a few of them. Um, I generally really like the clear, clear instructions, how everything is portioned out for me. And I think that is definitely a, a kind of the magic behind this, I think, where you get everything uh, in the box. And I'll, I'll explain more to listeners. But as a preview of our discussion, uh, so Austin and I will first cover a little bit of the history of the company and its management team before we move on to the business model, some of the financials, and the bigger picture context for investors, such as risk for the company, uh, what the competitive landscape looks like, also the size of the market, depending on how much time we have left. So if you are unfamiliar with what Blue Apron is, it's a meal delivery service. So what that means is you sign up with the company by choosing one of its two meal plans. Uh, one is catered for two people with about three meals per week at a cost of approximately $60, and the other is catered for a family of four with either two or four meals per week, which will come in uh, at $70 or $140. So once you've signed up with one of these meal plans, you receive your meals in a refrigerated box, and all the key ingredients uh, for these various recipes are prepackaged, portioned out, and there's detailed instructions on how you prepare your food. And that can include some pretty interesting dishes, things like t- tomato saffron risotto or summer squash enchiladas. So all in all, it's a simple but compelling business model that I'm kind of surprised that no one has tried to pursue, pursue previously. Um, Asit, before we get too hungry here, can you give us a quick overview of how the company got its start? Sure. So the company was started a few years ago in 2012 um, when its founders were trying to cook at home with their families. This is per the overview provided in the S1. They've got a really good description of how the company launched. They found the grocery shopping and menu planning uh, tiresome. To me, that's actually a fun part of putting a meal together. But when you're pressed for time, you, you can see how for anyone that can take the joy out of a meal. And so the founders had a first delivery in 2012, which is a box with three recipes, seared hanger steak, barbecue Cornish game hen, and lemongrass shrimp with soba noodles. That sounds so good. Just from that first meal, I can see why the company has succeeded so wildly. Sure. Um, and to your point uh, about your own consumption, Vince, the focus was on pre-portioned ingredients. So the company established a template for further meals. Um, and since then, they have scaled the business, working with small farmers, building a supply chain, um, putting in technology, which helps them manage inventory. Uh, according to their filing for their public 
offering, uh, which is upcoming from inception uh, through March 31st, 2017. That's the end of their most recent quarter. They've delivered over 159 million meals to households, and they claim that that re- represents approximately 25 million paid orders. So that's basically a nutshell um, how the company started and scaled up its business. Yep, I would like. I'll add that uh, the three co-founders, uh, Matthew Salzberg, Ilya Pappas, and Matthew Wadiak, they now uh, make up a pretty decent portion of the executive suite of this company. Uh, in that order, uh, the CEO, the CTO, and the COO. And uh, as early as 2015, um, you know, there was private venture funding uh, for this company, um, and it placed the valuation for Blue Apron at about two billion dollars. And with the growth that the company has seen in the past two years since then, the IPO valuation should place it far higher since revenue has just about doubled since then. And so, Asit, you and I dug into the S1 filing, um, and it's a very early and rough draft for the prospectus, but uh, we have some information here on company financials and other details shared about the business. The first thing I want to touch on is... Um, how has some of this grow, impressive growth that you mentioned, uh, 160 or about 160 million meals delivered since inception, their run rate back in late 2014 was about a million meals per month. They are now at 8 million meals per month. How has that growth panned out in terms of the top line? So, growth has been very interesting, amazing, actually. Uh, I was looking at their revenue figures. 2014 to 2015, the company did about $341 million in revenue, and that was a 338% year-over-year gain. Um, Accompanying that, it had a loss of $46.9 million. And listeners who are experienced in investing in growth companies um, have seen this narrative before, fast-growing company, which is more focused on grabbing market share than almost anything else. Um, From 2015 to 2016, the company did almost $800 million in business, growth slowed to a paltry 133% year-over-year. Interestingly, that year, so 2015 to 2016, the company lost $55 million. Now, remember I said on basically half the revenues the year before, it lost about $47 million. So within that year, the company was able to put systems into place to lower its cost of goods sold. As I said earlier, they work with a number of small uh, farmers and are building out a supply chain which is very technologically um, advanced, trying to build a framework to fend off future entrants into this space. Um, in the, their most recent quarter, which again is from January 1st to March 31st, the company grew 44% year over year versus that first quarter in 2016 and turned small profits of $3 million. So you can see the trend lines. Growth is just exceedingly rapid, uh, but the company is learning as it it, uh, evolves how to make money with the service. Not a lot, just just now. We we see they're on a pace maybe to do about a billion dollars of business this year. May still end up with a slight loss, but maybe what differentiates this company from other growth companies you'll see is uh, they're on a path to profitability. So that, that's a very interesting thing to keep your eye on as a potential investor, seeing this F1, F, F1 statement. They may make money 
be profitable in the next two to three years. Thanks, Asit. Uh, I will add that uh, 99% of this company's revenue is generated from uh, this meal delivery business, but the company has expanded into some other complementary areas, including a wine service and also some kitchen tools and accessories uh, that are sold through their e-commerce platform. Um, so obviously, it's clear, uh, you know, with the 338% growth and then 133% growth in 2016, uh, really. Uh, uh, a lot of progress for Blue Apron as they scale up this business. And uh, the company says outright that there's some seasonality that they face uh, and that the first part of the year is generally their strongest for engagement. But then as the summer season creeps in and also the holiday months come about, they see uh, their customers see more irregular schedules and thus often reduced order activity. Um, so let's turn to the bottom line then and some of their expenses. You know, in this kind of business, is it you know it seems that it's uh, their increased scale should be a major tailwind for the company, but how is their actual profitability uh, beyond uh, in ter- uh, not just some of the numbers that you mentioned, but just uh, what are the some of the main things they're looking at in terms of their cost structure? The, the cost structure uh, depends on really efficiency with handling materials. So you can think about this company. They're in the business of moving raw materials, and some of these are truly raw, <laughs> since you've, you've used the service, so raw vegetables. Um, but uh, at the same time, um, Blue Apron ships proteins. It's refrigerated, so they have tacked on some additional costs in uh, basically forming a product which it hasn't been on the market before, that you can get a complete meal uh, cook it from scratch with the ingredients in the box, and don't have to supply your own protein. There were, have been uh, versions of this type of service before, but not so comprehensive. I think Blue Apron is a pioneer, along with a few smaller competitors, mm-hmm. at completing the whole system. So the, the cost that it, it looks at, it's, it's got the, the product cost that it's got to move. Um, it also has the third-party delivery costs, which hit its bottom lines. It has to have the meals delivered. Now, on the revenue side, it's a subscription-based service. And this means that you, know, you subscribe for a certain number of meals. And like any other company, many of our listeners invest in tech companies. Um, you have to worry about your subscriber churn. So you, you are familiar with this model if you've invested in companies which rely on subscriptions. Intuit's a great one with QuickBooks Online. Uh, they always have to worry about adding new customers and keeping existing customers uh, from leaving. So far, they seem to be doing a pretty decent job with reducing churn. Um, but I will say in the S1, one thing that stood out to me is that um, Blue Apron actually measures its active customers by people who have ordered with them at any time in the past. So if you have uh, ordered from Blue Apron, let's say two years ago, and then order again today, then you are considered an active customer, whereas in the tech industry, which is one of the only things we have to compare this with, usually people have to have a couple of transactions in a single year. Um, So this might affect the visibility of those churn numbers. But again, to to wrap this up, in terms of their bottom line, uh, their cost of goods sold, um, which is basically they exclude some non-cash items like depreciation and amortization, they were able to to decrease that from 93% in 2014 when the company was first uh, getting off the ground 
to um, 67% last year. And that's why I was talking earlier about the profitability. profitability. You saw some profit in the first quarter. They're getting better at handling their basic materials. Thanks, Asit. Um, a few other things that I want to touch on that you mentioned, too, is this idea for a subscription model, how important it is to consistently grow your customer base. And uh, I think that bears out in terms of their marketing expense. Um, that's a very significant line item for the company. Um, they're, you know, they're bringing through quite a bit of money in both acquiring and retaining their customers, and like many startups. So the company is going to put its pedal to the metal, so to speak, to drive that high growth, help boost its valuation as well. Um, just to give you an idea of what we're looking at here, um, the marketing expenses in 2016 were about $144 million. That's about 18% of revenue for that year. And if you look at the most recent quarter, so the first quarter of 2017, that was up to 25% of revenue for uh, the first quarter, so actually going up as a percentage of the top line. And management has noted that because this first quarter is the period of highest customer engagement, they expect marketing the marketing expenses to decline throughout the rest of the year. But even if you take the marketing spend from the first quarter of 2015 and 2016, it's about 17%. Uh, of the annual total spend, and you apply that to 2017, um, that for a, a, an annual run rate, we're looking at almost 360 million dollars for the full year, which is massive. And um, I think, you know, with the company marketing through not only online traditional media, they also have its referral program, where basically existing members kind of spread the word in Blue Apron, introduce uh, new users with a free meal to try and hook them into the system. Referrals also accounted for over 30% of their new customer acquisitions. But um, what it comes down to is, if you take their marketing spend in period, divide that by the number of customer acquisitions that they saw, Blue Apron spending about $94 acquiring each customer, and, you know, the the way that's trended upwards for the first quarter, um, we also saw that in terms of the cost of goods sold that you mentioned, Asset. Uh, it definitely has their you know gross margin has definitely expanded significantly, but we saw a little bit of a reversal for the first quarter. And then for another uh, pretty big expense or line item for them, it's their product technology, general administrative um, expenses were up from about twenty one percent of revenue in twenty sixteen to over a quarter of the top line for the most recent quarter uh, for the most recent period. I think that's from the company obviously ramping up the investments it needs to make in the infrastructure to 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 support its very rapid expansion. Um, so uh, we usually hope to see these young companies get closer to profitability as they grow more mature. It seems like this uh, Blue Apron is taking the steps towards that, um, but. Uh, at the same time, some of these expenses are blowing up for them in their first quarter, uh, their busiest quarter. Um, so, you know, there are some red flags there for me. Uh, beyond some of the line items uh, that we've covered so far, you also uh, brought up uh, the the repeat customers and how they are count they count those based on if they've ever placed an order in the past. Some other metrics the company looks at that I thought were interesting. Um, they also have their average order value. So in uh, the first quarter of 2016, the average order value was at $59.28. That has declined slightly for the most recent period to $57.23. And this, another uh, a bit of a red flag is also their orders per customer went from 4.5 in that pre, uh, prior year period to 4.1 for this period, and the average revenue per customer going from $265 to $236. So I guess I'm seeing a lot of numbers here despite the growth that they're enjoying trending in the wrong direction. But 
you know, when it comes down to it, I think there are uh, a lot of other bigger picture things to like about this kind of business. And so I don't, uh, I want to cover some things that, you know, we're bullish on. So Blue Apron, obviously being the biggest name in the meal delivery world, um, I think it's curated a pretty compelling brand and image. I that comes through in certain qualitative ways, such as you know you see the way customers interact and share their cooking experiences on social media, but also in quantitative ways in that you know ninety percent of the revenue is coming from repeat orders. Um, that seems to be a strong indicator of a sticky product and bodes well if it can continue expanding its com- uh, customer base and um, to power some of the the additional growth that hopes to see. The company will also be expanding the number of plan options it offers. Not only how many meal meals customers can receive per week, but also the number of recipes available to choose from, which could uh, increase its appeal to more people. Asit, what else do you like in general about this kind of business, or just the industry, or the or some of the financials? I love that the um, product itself appeals to millennials who have shown. A disinclination to eat in casual restaurants. Uh, that industry is getting burned up by millennials' preference to stay at home and cook. So there's a, a market there. I think almost 40% of Blue Apron's customers right now can be classified as millennials. So they have a strong base that loves to learn. And Blue Apron sees itself as a company which learns with its customers. They have a new menu every week, they solicit feedback from customers. And they try to keep it interesting to keep that base engaged, as uh, we said. And um, what I like about their balance sheet is that really management has been very savvy in funding this company, um, keeping it going as they reach this stage where they can go public and get public investment. I will say, add another red flag on to um, some of the nice ones that you listed, Vince. If you read the proceeds section, so how are they going to use these funds, basically the company has a working capital deficit um, of about $84 million. So that means that they don't have enough of their current assets on hand to fund the obligations that are coming up. So they're going to use most of the proceeds to fund that. They also have a revolving credit line, which even after the period that they were reported on uh, in the first set of, of financials within their statement, there's a, always a section called subsequent events. So they've tapped their credit lines. Uh, the credit line now that they have is they've used $125 million out of $175 million. Uh, I've seen different figures for how much um, will be raised in this IPO, but pretty much the company is saying, we're going to use most all of our proceeds to uh, pump cash in because we're sort of underwater on a current basis, and then we're going to pay off some of this revolving line. There's not much else that the proceeds will be used for so if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to buy shares and they're going to use my funds and other people's funds for more of this product innovation, marketing, uh, which Vince was talking about, that won't happen in this offering. Another, one more red flag just to put in there, uh, the company, as I said, good side, smart management has raised a lot to fund the company. Sort of the, the bad side, if you're an incoming investor, they tend to like convertible preferred stock and convertible promissory notes. So there's about $260 million on the balance sheet, uh, $63 million of that, which doesn't show up, again, until a subsequent event just happened last month, in raising money, which can later be converted into uh, shares. So that will dilute this first tranche of investors coming in on the IPO. Bottom line is, if you're thinking of buying into Blue Apron, 
just know that they probably are going to follow this up with another offering. Um, typical time frame is one to three years. They'll go to the markets again, and, and you'll get diluted. But there's some appreciation potential in here as well. They're a market leader. So as Vince said, there's a lot to like. If you, are, if you have some risk tolerance, you could take an investment now and hold on, and you may be compensated for that risk of dilution by an appreciating stock. Um, they do have a competitive advantage right now. Uh, competition, uh, I'll let Vince talk a little bit about that, isn't so fierce, but I do worry about a larger competitor like an Amazon eventually coming in. Do we have any more time, Vince, to talk about their competition? Yeah, I think that's a good segue. So, in my view, this is really not a market uh, with high barriers to entry. So, if you can just look at the story of how Blue Apron was founded, you know, three guys, uh, New York City apartments, kind of putting together these meal kits themselves. Um, it, it's not too surprising then uh, that there are, you know, about a dozen or more other startups that are competing with the company. Um, so, some of the the direct competitors include companies like Plated, Home Chef, Green Chef, HelloFresh, and then some of their competitors are specializing uh, on certain kind of niche customers or changing the model. So you have Purple Carrot, which is all plant-based recipes for vegetarians. There's Chefed, which is no subscription required. So unlike Blue Apron, you kind of just order the recipes you like. Um, but I think actually the biggest threat beyond these, uh, you know, direct competitors, it, it it's it wouldn't take that much for bigger companies that are that are already currently setting up their capabilities for grocery delivery or already have it in place to expand their service offerings uh, to something that competes directly with Blue Apron. Um, a lot of gro- uh, grocery chains are actually uh, stocking meal kits so you can purchase them in store. And the question kind of becomes, what can stop a Walmart from stocking, uh, from putting these kits on their shelves and also making them available for the curbside pickup service? And then Amazon's another example where they partnered with Tyson Foods last fall to sell Tyson Taste. Uh, Tyson Taste Makers meal kits. So they offer uh, those online. They also offer their Martha Stewart meal kits as well. So it's quite easy, the idea, to include these in your weekly Amazon Fresh order along with the rest of your shopping list. So uh, what you mentioned in terms of some of the bigger competitors posing uh, a more significant threat, I definitely agree there. Um, but another issue I think that comes through in, in terms of just Challenges that this company faces is also comes with their pricing power. You know, I looked over many of the competing services, and Blue Apron charges about ten dollars per meal, uh, similar to most of its competition. If it raises its prices, you know, there is some of the stickiness that you would hope from people having, uh, you know, a good uh, a good relationship and ties to the brand. But customers can ultimately look elsewhere for similar services. There are plenty of promotions and free meals to try out there, considering the marketing budgets that are being employed in this industry. And that that means really, again, kind of comes back to our point, the idea that growth can really only come with more customers. I question a little bit how mainstream meal kits will actually become, because we've seen even with giant retailers like Walmart with Amazon, they struggle to build up their standard grocery delivery businesses. Um, so whether uh, these meal kit delivery services will reach this uh, a certain scale that we'd like to see is not so certain. Um, but uh, I'd like to close out then with uh, any final takeaway thoughts from you, Asit, uh, for this IPO and what maybe investors can expect or just any other thoughts you might have. I think that uh, Blue Apron is an extremely interesting company. 
my thought is that investors should watch rather than leap into this IPO and have a few quarters pass, examine the financials, look at the stats that uh, Vince was talking about earlier, uh, the customer retention rates, customer additions, uh, they'll be very prominent, easy to read in those quarterly reports, and really wait this one out. There's so much in the terms of competition um, and even within its own subscriber base. I'll end with a quote which actually shows you the flip side of this, um, and this is from a writer from the Atlantic who I follow on Twitter who writes often about uh, food and, and health. Um, it's Olga Kazan, and she said, the most dystopian thing about Blue Apron is that you're eating the same exact meal on the same night as thousands of other people. <laughs> so this is sort of very interesting risk for the company. Forty percent of customers are millennial. What happens when they wake up and figure out, hey, they've learned how to cook. This is a great service, and they're ready to move on. So that's why I say proceed with caution, but it is an interesting company with a lot of potential. Right now it's dominating the market. Uh, I'm not trying to diss it or, or persuade someone not to invest. I think just take some time. You won't miss out too much on, on a few quarters of observation. Thanks, Asin. I, I, too, will take a much more cautious tone. Uh, I think this company kind of reminds me of Fitbit, frankly. You have an early mover with a compelling product, uh, you know, a growing, growing industry or category, and a very strong brand, but there's also lots of competition, few barriers to entry, and I think the financials are pretty challenging, as we've seen with the massive marketing spend to acquire and retain new customers, uh, various metrics trending the wrong way that we've talked about. So, with this initial filing, though, uh, the IPO will not occur for a solid six months or more, so you won't be able to get your hands on Blue Apron stock for some time, uh, assuming you know we haven't scared you off of it at this point. But when the deal happens, we'll be sure to revisit with any updates. And a final note, uh, the stock is expected to trade under the ticker APRN. Uh, thanks, Asit, for the fun discussion, and thanks to everyone for tuning in. You can reach out to us and the rest of the Industry Focus crew via Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or send any questions to industryfocus at fool.com. Don't forget to check out the other podcasts at podcast.fool.com. And people in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Today.